I hope I can steal a little summoning from you, Dave. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left The flags go up, churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Few burning fast on an empty. Welcome to the NBA free agency edition of Stats on Deck. It's July 1st. Free agency started just over 24 hours ago. And in case you've been living under a rock, everything has changed. I'm Nick Laporte, and I'm joined, as always, by Jake Adams. Jake. Off the top of your head, biggest move of, of yesterday? Uh, I don't know if this is the biggest, but I'd have to think that the most impactful, even though he won't be playing for a year, is probably going to be KD going to the Nets. Yeah, and KD joined by Kyrie, heading to Brooklyn, both signing for just under uh, max contracts. So they can get their buddy DeAndre Jordan a couple extra dollars. Um, remember, we have to refer to them as the big three: KD, right. Kyrie, and DeAndre. Uh, <laughs> according to, according to who actually? KD probably. Well, it, they took pay cuts so they could get their man. Yeah, they well, DeAndre Jordan hasn't looked super interested in playing basketball since Lob City, but maybe he's rejuvenated playing with some friends now. I don't know. DeAndre Jordan, in my heart of hearts, was always meant to be a net. And I just can't tell you how overjoyed I am that he's there. And uh, he's finally going to get to play with a point guard. So, oh, yeah. True. Uh, yeah, he. the funny thing to me, I, we can't talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving without mentioning the Knicks. Um, the Knicks traded Chris Stapps Porzingis to Dallas at the trade deadline to set up enough max space for them so they would have two slots to fill with superstars and Mm -hmm. their plan was Kevin Durant and then they hope to also get Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, or Kemba Walker, some 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 combination of those superstars. And then uh, you know, to to add to the the hurt that the Knicks fans are feeling, DeAndre Jordan was included in that trade to go to the Knicks and they were hoping getting Kevin Durant's best friend would help convince him to go there. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant had the Achilles injury in the finals. We don't know how much that impacted his decision, but we do know Kyrie Irving has been set on Brooklyn for like a month, and Kevin Durant is joining him. So, uh, yeah, this is pretty. this is pretty impactful, I think. We've got... Two All NBA players going to a new team together, yep. and we haven't seen this since the Big Three in Miami. Honestly, right. And so I have a question: How far into the season do you think we get before DeAndre Jordan goes up to Kyrie at halftime when they're down by like twenty five to the to the Lakers or the Clippers or who are, really just pick your poison next year? The Utah Jazz. Yeah. And uh, and uh, DeAndre goes up to him and he says. Hey, so, like, when I was with the Clippers, um, Chris used to actually lob me the ball as I was going towards the basket. <laughs> uh, do, you think you, do you think you could do that maybe just one time? I, I've, I've waited this whole half year, and you, you haven't thrown me one lob to the, to the basket. You've just kind of taken mid-range faders and fancy layups. Do you think you could help me out? 
Yeah, well, you know, then, what, you know what Kyrie would say. What? What, what does the word assist mean to you? <laughs> what does the word bench mean to you? Well, I expect DeAndre Jordan's going to be riding the bench a lot. Um, <laughs> listen, man, I'm all for players getting paid. Um, oh, yeah. DeAndre Jordan basically strong-arming Brooklyn into giving him $40 million. That's all great. Like, you shouldn't feel bad about that, DeAndre. You got paid, and uh, whether or not you deserve it is another question. Um, I mean, this sets up the Nets as potentially – a super contender over the next few years, but not next year because KD's going to miss the entire season. Yeah, it's not going to be next year. And this is actually one of the things in the, in the last wave of the 24 hours that I have to keep reminding myself because I keep seeing, like, you know, the Photoshop pictures of Durant in a Nets jersey. Oh, is, yeah. He's, he's literally not going to play next year. And I was looking at the Vegas odds, and they had Brooklyn at, like, 21 to 1 odds to win the finals next year. And I yeah. was like, is everybody just drunk? Like, does there, did everybody well, yeah, forget and, that he's not – that he literally can't walk right now? That number is actually coming down too, which is funny. I mean, I've seen it at 18 to 1. Um, listen, you can ask any Boston Celtics fan or Cleveland Cavaliers fan, when Kyrie Irving is the best player on your team in a given season, uh, the odds might as well be a million to 1 because you're not winning a championship. I, I guess my only question is – how does Durant keep Kyrie from tainting that entire lot of talented players before he can even put on the jersey and play in a real game? That's going to be the real mission. That's more important than winning the finals next year, in my opinion. That's a damn good point. And the, the, the personalities in this locker room, it's strange because we don't know how Kevin Durant's going to react. This is, without a doubt, the worst team he's been on since some of those early Thunder days. Right. Um, We know KD is going to do his thing, whether it fits into the offense or not. He's one of those classic isolation scorers we've seen. Uh, He's more efficient than some of these guys, but, I mean, honestly, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony, he's got that iso game that a lot of the great ones do where it's sort of outside the offense the question the problem i think is kyrie irving also thinks he's an isolation guy when we saw how bad that went for boston last year yeah he played the he played the hero ball uh type offense when he was surrounded by great young talent and he didn't use it and it it turned into a nightmare situation the thing that I worry about is you have young guys that have actually shown potential on the Nets and Spencer oh, yeah. Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, even Jared Allen a little bit as a young big man. Well, I think I they mean, got rid of Jared Allen, actually, oh, Jer- if I'm Jared not mistaken. Gone? It's uh, been lost in the tornado of right, Woj I mean, bombs. Let, let, me, let me confirm that. Um, okay, but, I don't have him on here, but yeah, uh, go ahead. But they have, like, this young locker room. And, like, the thing that I worry about is, like, look how bad it went Boston oh, yeah. in, in the two years that in the two years that Kyrie was there with, you know, I mean, with Tatum and Brown and, and um, Smart. I mean, it just – it turned into a disaster. And, and, listen, Kyrie – I mean, KD is going to be there. He's going to be rehabbing. He'll be in games wearing, you know, wearing the fashionable suit. Yeah. And, uh, 
and, and, you know, clapping it up on the sidelines. But the thing that I worry about is just the, the exposure. And Kevin Durant isn't exactly uh, stayed out of the spotlight and stayed out of drama in his own tenure. Oh, of course. So I'm, I'm a little concerned with those two guys handling media, being the leaders of the team, and not letting it affect him. I think Kevin Durant's shown that his play, obviously, and being one of the top three players in the NBA, can overcome that sort of negative attention. But Kyrie hasn't been able to do that. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Kyrie, it's been a weird career for him. I mean, he goes he goes to Duke, plays in, I think, nine games. It's not 11. Nine uh, or 11. Nine or 11. Uh, impresses us, but um, I think it wasn't a, a year to remember for Duke. Then he comes out first overall to Cleveland. Really mm-hmm. their first young prospect since LeBron left them. And... He shows a lot of promise in those first few years, but the Cavaliers are winning under 40 games every single year. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, LeBron's back home. He's got Kevin Love. At times, Kyrie's relegated to the third option. And then he kind of carved out a role for himself as LeBron's second in command. And their games worked pretty well together. I mean, we've seen Kyrie be able to be a number two, which is what he will be to Kevin Durant. But uh, then he, he kind of gets in his own head when he goes to Boston. He wants to be the number one guy, the leader of the team. And uh, Boston, in a lot of ways, played better when he was not on the floor. Right. Now, now he's going to Brooklyn. And I just wonder about the psychological impact of all this. Like, Kevin Durant is the guy the Brooklyn Nets wanted. Like, yep. they would have signed Kevin Durant without Kyrie. I don't know if they would have done the reverse. So how does Kyrie reconcile this fact that he's clearly the number two guy, he's not going to be getting the most shots, and they're asking him to be more of a playmaker than a scorer? And I I don't know how he'll react, especially because there are going to be a lot of shots for him this year because he is their best player until Kevin Durant's back. How does he react in year two, assuming the Nets get bounced in the first round next year, uh, you know, depending on how they do with Kyrie as their guy, then Kevin Durant's coming in. I don't know. It's a, it's a volatile situation. And again, DeAndre Jordan, I don't like that contract from the start. I think it's too much money, too many years. I don't see how he can stay on the floor in the modern NBA, but um, yeah, that, you know, I don't want, I don't mean to come off as negative though, because I do feel like Brooklyn really, hit a grand slam here in free agency they did it's just it comes with a lot of ripples and the thing like we've this is the last point i'll make about it but the the achilles thing yeah for durant it like like you see in basketball is is the hardest injury to come back from so i'm not saying that kevin durant won't come back and still be an elite scorer and 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 still be kevin durant at least for a couple more years I, I, I just think there's a question mark there. So you, it's not 100% guaranteed you're getting the Kevin Durant of, you know, MVP finals, best best score in the league. Oh, without then, a doubt. Uh, and then on top of that, you're throwing in Kyrie on top of the whole scenario. And we're not even going to find out until uh, until two years from now where we're at. So it, time will tell with the Nets. It, it, on paper, it looks great. But logistically, we're going to have to see how it all unfolds until we can actually give this a grade. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is a this is a situation where Brooklyn got, in my opinion, two of the top three guys available. 
So if you're going to do that, I, you know, I have to, I have to say you did a good job, but there are so many ways it could go wrong that Mm -hmm. you have to be wary of that. But I think Brooklyn for them, it's absolutely worth the risk. I mean, Oh yeah. You you know, you guys are going to be the Kings of New York for the next few years. Uh, I wouldn't blame some fringe Knicks fans for jumping ship if they wanted to. No, I, w- I wouldn't blame them. At <laughs> I, all. I wouldn't blame them. Uh, so, but you know, talking about Kevin Durant, we should we should get into what the Warriors have done to sort of try to work themselves around the fact that they just lost their best player. And uh, the the thing I want to commend them for is getting the extension done with Clay Thompson, because there were there was a you know a little moment of hesitancy where we were wondering is clay going to actually entertain offers from other teams uh it appears they've signed him to the five-year max contract and yep uh he's worth it um an acl injury is not the kiss of death that it, it once was in sports he should be able to come back if not late next year by by the start of the uh the 2020-2021 season Mm-hmm. He will he will be back to a hundred percent, and him and Steph Curry, I mean, when those two are together, no matter who is around them, they're a contender. Um, so I want to give them credit there. What I what I'm, I'm questioning, and you know, I'm going to give you a chance here to to try to you know help me understand this is why did the Warriors go out and sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell? Why do I have to answer a question that does not have an answer? <laughs> the uh, there is there's there's no logical thinking to this sign to this to this trade. I I don't understand this because you're acquiring a guy who has not shown the ability, you know, through multiple seasons to be a productive, you know, top end guy. Right, and you're adding another guy that does not play defense in a guard position on a team that's already going to be playing small ball. Right. And that's another thing. Um, So I, I, I just saw, you know, coming in earlier today, the Warriors have signed Kevon Looney to a five year, I think 15 million extension, which is a great deal, which is a great deal. And I thought they were going to lose him. It it is big for them to get him back because he is the perfect center for them. Uh, so if you're running a, a crunch time lineup, let's just say they make the seven or eight seed next year. Clay comes back late. You're running a Curry, D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson, D- uh, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney starting five. Four of your five guys are six foot seven or shorter. And it, well, it's not only that, they better shoot well. And oh, two of yeah. those guys I trust will. One of them I don't know. And the thing, the thing that's baffling to me is you're basically taking shots and almost a position in the ball out of the hand of a two-time MVP. Right. And, and giving you know, it to D'Angelo Russell, who is a one-time all-star. A one-time replacement all-star that shoots under 40% from three, is not good off the ball, and plays horrible defense. I, I, I'm sorry. And you know what? If, if D'Angelo had signed with Minnesota – or Phoenix, or the Lakers, I'd probably be, you know, I'd probably be praising him. So, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Sure. But th- this, in my opinion, is the worst fit for him. And, yeah, we, you know, when we talk about fit in when you're building a team, 
sometimes fit doesn't matter. Like Houston got Chris Paul and James Harden, and we're wondering how is that going to work out? You know, they they make it to the Western Conference Finals. They mm-hmm. put up a fight against the Warriors two years in a row. Like, yeah, sometimes talent wins over fit. But No question. Chris Paul, the addition of him to that team, Chris Paul at least made sense as a secondary ball handler, as a defender that could guard some of those smaller point guards, and had a proven track record over a decade-plus of all-NBA caliber point guard uh, play. D'Angelo Russell has one solid season where he got up-jumped into the All-Star game because the East was so weak. I, I do understand the the line of thinking, and we've seen some people uh, on uh, in the NBA Twitter sphere coming out and saying D'Angelo Russell is a is a short term solution, and they're going to try to trade him further down the road for another asset. If you're building your team that way, you're being stupid, in my opinion. No, I just the the whole the move is just is just mind boggling. When it, when the, the the alert came through that that's where he was going, I was just I was just baffled because you're, you're not signing you're not signing a guy that's you know plays both ends of the forge. You're not signing a guy that's been a proven elite you know elite like, player. Like for example, like Jimmy Butler. Right, like Jimmy Butler. Like no, there are, there are there are there were other guys to get, but like you could have even. Even for the Warriors that could have even somewhat made better sense than D'Angelo Russell could have been like Tobias Harris because at right. least he's filling up the three spot. Right, and he and he fits the role of a shooter while also being able to guard some players. Right, but what you're getting instead is another, literally another point guard slash shooting guard, and those are the two positions. Even with Clay coming back late, that you have completely solidified. You have the best backcourt in all of basketball. It, it doesn't get better than Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and it hasn't for the last couple of years. That's as good as it gets. Without a doubt. And and what you've done is you've taken now another fringe all-star guy, and you've now put him into the mix. He has to touch the ball. He has to play with six minutes to go in the fourth court. He has to get shots, and he's playing the position of those two guys. Clay Thompson's not going to play the three. No, and th- that's another thing. Even if you know you can make an argument that Clay can can defend some of those some of those wing players, D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry as a defensive backcourt is like like it's Damian. A, it's Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, but ten times worse. It's a red carpet to say, "Please score on me in in the closing <laughs> minutes." Yeah, I hope I, Dr- I hope Draymond's ready to be. Defensive player of the year again because there's going to be a lot of traffic in the paint against that team. I, I'm the only good sign that we have from this is maybe, maybe in this case, like Kevin Durant did, D'Angelo Russell is just going to take all of Draymond Green's shots. Well, that is that is probably what they're hoping because that's got to be the hope. <laughs> Draymond's staring down the barrel of a max extension for a guy who averages somewhere in the neighborhood of eight points per game in his career. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to understate his value to the Warriors. There's no question he was one of the most important pieces of a three-time champion team. You know, I don't, I don't want to discredit him. Having said that, $40 million a year for Draymond Green, who is getting older and slower and struggles to score the basketball and shoot from three, I don't know if I would be super interested in that if I was the Warriors. Yeah, I... It... <laughs> It, but but here's, we should talk about, too, um, so 
to in order to you know make this happen the warriors had to unload well they're going to probably buy out sean livingston's contract and that's not a loss because sean livingston was a corpse on the court last year and probably is ready to hang it up pretty soon here but but again they have to find a way to replace him and you know even if you can you can make the argument he wasn't super important to them he was shooting the ball and he was coming in off the bench and and running their second unit. So that's a problem. But but the most important problem is they traded finals MVP Andre Iguodala to the Grizzlies. Not hey. only that, they traded away three future first-round picks in that deal. They traded away Andre Iguodala and three first-round picks to get cap room to sign D'Angelo Russell. All right, let's, let's just leave it to this. Bob Myers knows something that we don't know. He knows something that he knows something he is. He has seen D'Angelo Russell in the gym with nobody else in it, shooting threes, going to the lane, scoring in a pickup game. And he has been oh, sold. Well, well, that's another thing. He's been sold. You want to talk about uh, now for Curry and Thompson, you know, they found a way to become all NBA players without learning how to get to the free throw line eight or nine times a game. But we're talking about Clay, Steph and D'Angelo Russell as your three of your five best players, none of whom can get into the paint and draw fouls. Yeah, it's it's an issue. It is an issue. It, it's, and, a pro- it's a problem. Uh, I, yeah, I, the Warriors, you know, the word that comes to mind for me is directionless because I, I just, I think this is the move you make when you lose Kevin Durant and you say, uh-oh, we're in trouble, we have to do something. And nope. Something in this case, I don't think was a good move. No. Uh, so uh, let's let's get into some 76ers stuff because um, or actually before we do that, let's talk about Kemba. Let's let's get on, let's get on a high note, because um, I think uh, my my initial reaction when the Kemba Boston rumors started coming out was I thought it was a pretty good fit. What about you? No, I was excited for this. You're getting a guy that was, you know, constantly being undervalued by not only the NBA, but his own organization for years. And he's finally going to get an opportunity to play with one of the best coaches, to play for one of the best coaches and Brad Stevens. Yeah. And he's going to be surrounded by playmakers all, all around the court. And, and this is a guy that's not going to bring, maybe doesn't have all of the skills and the talent that Kyrie Irving has, but what he does have, is the ability to share the ball and work and and work within an offense, and is a great fourth fourth quarter closer. Oh, of course, yeah. I I know um, Kemba probably universally is would be ranked lower than Kyrie Irving by just about everybody. But when we're talking about fit, Kemba right. Walker fits into that offense better than Kyrie Irving does. He's he's like he's the better version of what Isaiah Thomas was. And he's going to, and he's not going to cause any of the drama and be as toxic to a locker room as, as Kyrie Irving was. And the fit just makes perfect sense. You, you've got a guy that's going to be able to close out games and is going to be able to be your leading scorer, but is also going to run the offense that's been put in place for him. And if you're going to run Brad Stevens' offense, you're going to be successful. And Brad Stevens is the type of coach that does more with less. Yeah. And he's, and he's going to make that team competitive and and like has been alluded to, the Celtics are only one trade, only you know one buyout guy, 
one or one or one trade in, in the middle of the season away from being a legitimate finals contender in the East. Oh yeah, I think I I was we were talking about this earlier. Yep. I think uh, two guys that come to mind for me are Blake Griffin and Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, both who can play the five in a small lineup, both who can stretch the floor, and both who are former all-stars. Uh, if I was Boston or Portland, who we're not going to talk about right now, but uh, I think both of those teams are a piece away from being contenders, and no I, like, I like those two guys. Uh, I also think uh, the happiest person in the world right now probably is Jason Tatum. Because oh, God. Kemba Walker is going to make his life a lot easier. I think we're definitely going to see a uh, a better comeback year from Jason Tatum this year, and in a in a growth year for him. And then on top of this, I mean, the idea of Kevin Love or Blake Griffin, and I'm not a big Blake Blake guy, but the idea of either of those two guys going to the Celtics is is legitimately exciting because you're gonna, like I said, you're gonna they're gonna be playing under a coach that is going to fit them and mold them into an offense. And if you've got a team that buys in and sharing the ball in Boston, they're going to be dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And um, we should talk about, you know, losing Al Horford. That hurts the Celtics more than losing Kyrie Irving, I think, because no question. Kem- Kemba Walker going to Boston might be a net positive, but losing Al Horford, that's going to be difficult to replace. But if you do end up trading for Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, the guys we were talking about, I, w- I would even throw – I know we're a little early on this, but Carl Anthony Towns into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems like the perfect contender to be the next unhappy superstar that wants out. Um, oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're probably a little bit early, but it will not shock me if come the trade deadline, Carl Anthony Towns is, is in a new situation, um, especially after the Timberwolves failed to get D'Angelo Russell. Um but yeah, I just I, I really like the way Boston approached this offseason. They didn't panic and nope. go out and throw money at, you know, Bobby Portis or um, Tobias Harris, you know, some of these guys who who probably got a little overpaid. And we'll talk about Tobias in a second, but um, I liked how Boston they they found a mutual interest with Kemba Walker. They got him locked up for honestly a reasonable deal. I mean, a, a four year deal for Kemba uh, at the max contract rate is is fair. I think the five year supermax in Charlotte was probably too much, making you know forty plus million per year on mm-hmm. a team that can't make the playoffs. But but Boston will make the playoffs with Kemba, and I think they're at least the second round team as constructed right now. Um, yeah, I really like the way they approach this off season, and uh, definitely. They are a team to keep an eye on because they are very close to being legitimate contenders. No, oh, they are. Like like we said, I think I think they're about one big man, one legitimate big man away, which is one of the easiest positions to kind of piece together through a season. So this is this is going to be a better year for the Boston Celtics. The fans are going to be happier, the players are going to be happier, and I think it's going to reflect in how they play this year. Absolutely, and I think the the perfect situation for Boston next year would be. Kemba Walker scoring less than he did last year. Like, if I was going to throw out a number, I'd say putting up, like, 21 points and, and eight or nine assists per game if it means Jason Tatum can take the step to become an all-star. No question. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, as I like to say, we'll keep an eye on the Celtics. Um, 
Kemba to Boston, one of the understated but really, uh, really good moves that happened uh, officially yesterday, although I suppose we've known about Kemba going there for at least a week and a half now. Um, so uh, before we take a quick break, we're going to talk about Philadelphia and uh, kind of the roller coaster they've been on since this time last year. Um, so last year, uh, they fired their general manager after a uh, Twitter burner account issue. Uh, <laughs> they brought in Elton. If you if you want to read about it, it's on the ringer.com. It's a good website. Um, they brought in Elton Brand. Uh, the Sixers made moves to contend last year, trading away Robert Covington and Dario Saric to, to Minnesota for Jimmy Butler. And then also trading away, um, um, what, what's the name of the guy I'm thinking of? They traded to the Clippers, Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit for Tobias uh, Harris, which, which was questionable. Which, which was, was a que- questionable move. Yeah, I don't know if either of us really liked that in the moment, but uh, they they made it clear they they wanted to run out a lineup of basically five all stars and try to win the East. And let's be honest, they came pretty darn close. They they were one bounce away from maybe making it to the West to the Eastern Conference Finals, and who knows what happens after that. But uh, coming into free agency, all they were saying was they were going to re-sign Jimmy Butler, re-sign Tobias Harris, and re-sign JJ Redick, and run and, it back, uh, and run it back. And uh, why don't you why don't you tell me if that if that worked out for them? Well, JJ signed with the New Orleans Pelicans. For, right. for what we're calling the NB, the Duke of the NBA. Right, which is uh, one of our favorite teams now. Which is now one of our favorite teams. Tobias Harris did actually end up staying. Right. Which, which take <laughs> it or leave it. And then Jimmy Butler, um, who has notably said, I want to win championships, and then turns around five seconds later and says, I want to make the most money. Right. Went and signed with the Heat. So nothing went according to plan. And the Sixers now are left in a situation where their their roster is confusing. They traded away all of the years that they spent tanking and trusting the process. They traded away in one night to get Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler to build a team to try to make a run last year. And now that they, now what has come of it is a lot less picks and out of shape still Joel Embiid, who's injury prone, a point guard who cannot shoot. Who right. cannot Wait, and will say, not say shoot, that again? Say that again. Cannot and will not shoot three pointers. Ben Simmons, shoot a three, you coward! Shoot a three, you miss a hundred percent. You don't take Wayne Gretzky. Take a three, and and the best thing that they could do out of this entire thing to make this salvageable and almost look okay is they go out and they sign Al Horford, which is a fine signing. But now you're thrust into a situation. Where your entire team is massive and is going to grab every single rebound, but you have no idea on a given night where your offense is going to come from. Well, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, about Al Horford and Tobias Harris. Um, yes. So now, first of all, I'm pretty hard on Tobias Harris because I think he's an overrated player. I think his skill set isn't that great, and I I don't know if I would be comfortable with my team paying him 180 million dollars. But 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. And but by the way, I'm a Wizards fan, so I know a thing or two about giving away bad contracts. Um, <laughs> both Tobias, to be fair, Tobias Harris is young. I believe he's 26 years old, turning 27 this year. So right. the the contract will take him 
through his prime, which is when you want to have a player. No question. Al Horford, on the other hand, a four-year contract, uh, over $25 million a year, that's a little scary to me. The the age in the contract is an issue. And part of why this is head-scratching what their plan was is this Al Horford trade was made out of necessity to make the offseason look good. You, you you basically went and got a guy that's, you know, a solidified center, good, one of the best off-ball big men in basketball. Right. Defends his position well, and it looks good. It's a bad contract, and it will be a bad contract. But they basically made this move in a lot of ways to save face. Right, and their their plan right now is to basically – make a title run in the next two years. And right. they don't care what happens after that because they're going to be capped out. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, they're going to be paying those four guys 100% of their cap, and they're not going to have any flexibility. Now, they did get Josh Richardson from Miami as part of the signing trade with Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. who we're going to talk about in a second. Um, Josh Richardson, very good 3 and D guy. Um I think he he is a good player, and he'll help their wing defense, but uh, I don't know if he's a better defensive player than Jimmy Butler, and I know for a fact he's a worse shooter than J.J. Redick. I'm not, I'm not convinced that, you know, the Sixers five they ran out at the end of last year I think is better than the five they're going to run out this year. No, it, it's just it, – it's hard to – it's hard to justify Brand's decision making as a GM when you know the ball hits the rim six times on a Kawhi Leonard shot to send them to the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's it's hard to nitpick because you the ideas in going for it and you know wanting to win now I get it, but when it turns into the team that you have now with you know signing a, a an old Al Horford to play center so Joel Embiid can you know move out to outside and stretch the floor. You, right. you lose J.J. G- Redick, who's one of the best three-point sh- percentage shooters in the league, and you're and you've lost now Jimmy Butler too, who you who you traded for. It's just these moves are kind of puzzling, and it just it kind of leaves a bad sour taste in your mouth. Thinking about you know you made all of these moves to try to win a championship that didn't work out, and then you weren't able to sign these guys back. Right. So and it's just, it's just you, kind of it's hard to look at. Yeah, I. I just don't know if um, if I'm as excited about these moves as um, as some other people are, but you know that's okay. I still think Philly has a, a very capable team. I would say mm-hmm. they're they're one of the few sure Eastern Conference contenders, along with uh, Milwaukee, uh, Indiana, probably, and Boston. Uh, the Raptors, of course, hang on the decision of Kawhi Leonard, but. Um, so I, so I like it in that respect, uh, you know, setting themselves up as probably the second best team in the second or third best team in the East. Again, it is smart, but uh, committing all this money to guys who aren't all stars always worries me. Um, and, you know, let's not underrate the impact that Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick had. I mean, there right. were times when Jimmy Butler in the playoffs for them was their best player. He was and, their best player, and he, and he was a defensive rock for guarding the best wing pr- player on the other team. Right, and then J.J. Redick, um, and le- unless you get Steph Curry or Klay Thompson, you're not replacing that shooting. And uh, Josh Richardson, you know, like we said, he's a he's a capable three-point shooter. 
Al Horford is, you know, under 35%. For a big, he can stretch the floor, but uh, let's not pretend Horford and Embiid and Simmons together is good spacing because it's just not. Um, but, yeah, let's let's get into a little Jimmy Butler um, talk before we take a break here. Um, I don't know why he signed with Miami. I, I, I just can't figure – unless it's just about the lifestyle and, and living in Miami – I'm having trouble figuring out. I thought there were a lot better places for him to go to try to win a championship, and I don't see the the avenue to contention in Miami. Well, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and and I've come to I've come to a couple conclusions. I put myself in the Jimmy Butler headspace. I oh, that's a rough place to be. No, no, no. It's it. You'd think that, right? But then it, the longer you stay there, the more things start to make sense. So this is what so this is what I, I thought about. Jimmy Butler has said time and time again he wants to go he, he wants to be in a place where he is where he is going to be able to have the ball, you know, with, to give his chan- team a chance to win and right. he's going to be challenged by his teammates and he's going to be in contention. Then Jimmy Butler walks out of the room and comes back out with a fake mustache on and glasses and says, "I want to be paid I want to be paid properly for what I am and make and make a lot of money. True. So I think there are actually two different two Jimmy Butlers. You you think there's the Jimmy that wants to win and the Jimmy that worries about the bank account. I I legitimately think he has a split personality disorder. And you know what, Jimmy, I I wish you the best of luck in Miami, but <laughs> honestly, I think it's kind of a weak move to not try to win a championship. The the thing that I go back to with Jimmy is it's just like I don't under like I don't understand what he's very outspoken. He he, he seems at times like he's well spoken and has a good shoulder on his head. But then you hear stories about the the nightmare practice from last year where yeah. he's screaming and cussing out you know players, GMs, coaches, and then you know demanding to be traded, mouths off to the media, and then comes back the next day and you know hits a game winning shot for his team. It's just it's it's a whole cluster of it. it it's I don't well, even I mean, know just, it. Just look at it this way: he's playing with an all star in Minnesota, right? Then he's playing with two all stars in Philly, and now he's playing with nobody in Miami. I I um, just I just feel confused every time I talk about Jimmy Butler because I don't actually know what his intentions are because. Like we've said, he he he. It's not a media player speaking for a media right. person speaking for him. He has come in interviews and said, in separate occasions, "I want to go to a place where I can contend for a championship." And then an hour later on Twitter, he says, "I want to be paid for what I'm worth and get max contracts, and and that's all I care about." Right. And you know what? If Miami figures out a way to to add something more to that team, I mean, I know. Uh, they figure to be players in free agency next summer and the summer afterwards. I know, you know, we mentioned Blake Griffin and Kevin Love, Carl uh, yep. Anthony Towns, uh, even, you know, I hate to say it, but also Bradley Beal as potential guys that, you know, all-star caliber guys that could be traded. Um, I know Miami's a great place to live. You know, otherwise LeBron would have never gone there. Oh, wait, he stayed in Cleveland, though, so I don't know if uh, – but that's beside the point. But uh, well, we'll see. I mean, you know, Pat. In this case, I think we gotta believe that Pat Riley has another move up his sleeve. Otherwise, you just committed 150 million to Jimmy Butler to 
be a six seed for four years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I the the Miami Heat basketball. I guess it, one of the things maybe sold Jimmy was they saw how they tweet how how they treated Dwayne Wade down there, and that was just the thought process. He he wanted to be he I wanted mean, he, to be yeah. enshrined at the South Beach. If he wants to be loved, Miami's a great place to go for more reasons than just just the Jersey retirement. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the rest of the stuff that happened in NBA free agency. Uh, tweets have been rolling in pretty consistently for the last 24, 25 plus hours. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to try to figure out why the hell Kawhi Leonard's taking so long. Stick around. Okay, we are back, and we are ready to talk some more NBA free agency. Uh, It's been perhaps the wildest day in the NBA in a long time, and um, the the team we want to talk about now is the Milwaukee Bucks. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They were two wins away from getting to the Finals, and they had Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez – as unrestricted free agents and Malcolm Brogdon as a restricted free agent. And they were, they were able to keep two out of the three. No, they were, and they got probably the most important piece in my opinion, and Chris Middleton back. Right. Uh, And to be fair, he was an all-star last year. He was an all-star and he was the number two option uh, offensively to, to Giannis in, in that, in that run last year. No, I mean, resigning Chris Middleton had to be at the top of the Bucks bucket list because right. this, because this is by far this was the most important asset that need that they needed to sign. It wasn't going to be go out and get try to get into the Kawhi sweepstakes. It wasn't going to be try to get KD or Kyrie. They needed to resign Chris Middleton. They know how he works. He's grown up. He, he he's grown up in their system and become yeah. the second option to to what was the best team in basketball last year. Yeah, I, I don't want to underrate them because they were a 60-win team yep. that breezed through the first two rounds of the playoffs and, and were up 2 nothing on the champions. They have the league MVP, who is somewhere in the range of 15 to 20 years old. And, um, yeah, they, they, they brought back Middleton and they brought back Brooke Lopez. Um, whether or not you think they overpaid for them, I do. Um they had to bring them back because they their championship window is open right now. It's open right now, and you have to you have to surround Giannis right now, the the incumbent MVP with as much talent and and guys that he's played with. You have to, you have to surround him with talent year in and year out, and no matter what. And if overpaying Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez is what it is, what you have to do to do that, then so be it. In my opinion, right. no, I agree with you. Um, the, the one thing, the one trap that they may be falling into, and, you know, I still think going into next year, they're as much a contender as anybody. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, one trap they they seem to be following a little bit is the early LeBron in Cleveland years when LeBron didn't have the greatest group of teammates, but they kept re-signing them and making fringe moves like, Brooke Lopez, for example, thinking they're one piece away when in reality they probably should have been focusing on trying to sign 
you know, a guy, say, of Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker, you know, a guy of that caliber. But sure. But uh, Chris Middleton is is a really good player. He's he is an all star. He's a great three point shooter uh, as a secondary ball handler. Uh, you're not going to find really a better option on the market that they could afford. But losing Malcolm Brogdon is kind of a, a no. I wouldn't say disaster, but it's really bad. Malcolm Brogdon is 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 one of the probably the the most efficient and best young basketball players that that we have in today's game. If I'm not mistaken, he was a forty fifty ninety guy this year. You're correct. Which is which is insane, right, and, well, and to do it at his age is is crazy as well. The o- the only players that have ever done it, um, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant, guys like that. Every single player on the list is a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't want to call Malcolm Brogdon a Hall of Famer, but uh, he's in great company, and uh, he's no longer on the Bucks. He's actually in Indiana now. You don't trip and fall onto that list of 40, 50, 90 in a season. You don't, you just don't do it. So no, you have to be a real talented player. Yeah. And, and one of the things that was nice and one of the things that made the Bucks so dangerous last year is having Malcolm Brogdon basically be your backup point guard and, and operate that offense when Giannis is sitting on the bench, when Eric Bledsoe is going through one of his horrendous stretches, you and Chris Middleton's not on, you had the safety net of having, having, him be able to carry your team and run your offense through tough stretches and now that right. he's gone that safety net gets removed and and it's this is a this is a guy that's only going to get better from right now which is which is scary to think about well listen i know the bucks thought they were getting a bargain when they they extended eric Bledsoe in the middle of the season for somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 million a year just straight up if you're the bucks would you rather have eric Bledsoe at 15 million a year or uh, Malcolm Brogdon at $22 million a year. I would pay Malcolm Brogdon $30 million a year to keep him <laughs> on my team and not have Eric Bledsoe. It's not I even think, close yeah. to me. I think if the Bucks could do it over again, they would wait till the offseason and let Bledsoe walk. Um, you know, I think I, – I certainly thought it was a bargain at the time. Right now it's looking like a pretty bad move. No, uh, it, it, meanwhile <laughs> – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it did look like a bargain. I mean, you're getting a guy that – you know, is is very talented defensively, but he goes through stretches of not being able to literally dribble the ball and move within an offense and disappears out right. of games at times. I mean, he is he is known for for literally disappearing and being overplayed by by guys like Terry Rozier in playoff series. Oh yeah, and he got played off the out of his position basically by George Hill, who hasn't played good basketball in like three years exactly I, I don't think that's a good sign by the way the bucks re-signing george hill pretty solid move honestly it's, um, if you're gonna lose malcolm brogdon you need somebody yeah. else to be able to fill the role he as a sixth man on their team or maybe not a sixth man but a backup point guard he fits um i love the way the pacers went out and got malcolm brogdon I absolutely mean, When you are a small market team, you have to be creative because, you know, Kyrie Irving isn't knocking at your door and they go out, they, they have, you know, Paul George wants out. They turn him into Victor Oladipo. They bought low on him and he's turned into an all-star. And then they go out and they put the offer sheet to Malcolm Brogdon and get him from the Bucks 
I, I think that's a really brilliant strategy, building this team from nothing and turning them into a legitimate Eastern Conference contender. Larry Bird ain't no fool. No, he has proven that he knows what he's doing. Larry was probably, you know, pulling his tractor on his farm field in Indiana, and he was looking down at the list. You know, he, he was looking at one of his, like, old fax machines, and something came through what was the 50-50-90 list, and he was looking on there, and it was like, alert, somebody else has been added to the list, and he goes, Malcolm Brogdon, who's this character? Yeah. I think we'll have him. Yeah, he said, I think, I think we'll have him, and that's that. And I, 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 think, I think I want that guy on my team. And lo and behold, now next year you're going to have a backcourt of Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo. And I'm telling you something right now, you should get NBA League Pass because the Pacers are going to be fun. Right, and you know we don't know how Oladipo is going to come back from the, the injury. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he comes back as, as good as he was before. Um, that's the only thing that's keeping them, keeping them back right now, because I'll tell you this, if they had Malcolm Brogdon last year in the playoffs, instead of Darren Collison, they probably beat the Celtics in that first round series. I agree with you. Um, so I, I, I really like that move. Um, and especially cause the Pacers did lose Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, to the jazz. Um, that's an easy way to replace his scoring right there. And also add a guy that fits your team better. Absolutely, that that's another. We'll get into that, but that that's that that the Jazz is one team that I'm very excited about. Well, yeah, let's talk about the Jazz because they they signed Mike Con or excuse me, they traded for Mike Conley. Yep. And uh, we thought the Jazz, we thought if that's the only move they make in the off season, they're winners because they got a basically all star point guard who plays good defense and fits in their team. Basically for free in, in some ways, uh, you know, I wrote about the deal when it happened and I thought uh, Memphis really screwed up on that one. Um, but yeah, then they go out and they sign Boyan Bogdanovich. I really like him on that team. Oh, I like that whole team. There's a reason that so many people are buying stock as the Jazz, um, you know, dark horse contenders to, to potentially represent the Western Conference in the finals next year. That that is going to be a team in Donovan Mitchell now now with Mike Connolly, Boyan Bogdanovich. You've got you've got Rudy Gobert as the defensive player of the year protecting the rim. I mean, this is going to be a a six minutes to go in the fourth quarter onslaught of just good end to end basketball, and I'm I'm right. genuinely excited to watch it because we're in an era now where you know it's. It's all about three-point shooting. It's all about just trying to just beat beat teams by 30. This is going to be a team that everybody, kind of how we saw with the Toronto Raptors this year, everybody that's going to be on the floor in the fourth quarter can guard their position, and they can close out games, and they're going to take you seriously from the time the ball goes up to the, to the last shot. This oh, absolutely. Is, this is going to be a team that plays their asses off for an entire game and is going to fight and scratch and claw for everything that they can get. That's just how the guys are made. You've got Mike Conley and, and, and Rudy Gobert and Bogdanovich and, and Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, who are all, yeah. who are all like have that junkyard dog mentality of just like they don't care LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and nobody is going to intimidate the Utah Jazz. Right, I agree. I think they are, um, you know, the – we. Uh, We've been seeing this a lot. You know, the West has just gotten stronger and stronger. And I think 
13 of the teams, ex- not including the Grizzlies and the Suns, have a legitimate argument to make the playoffs. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think if there's a sure thing in the West right now, it's Utah. I would count on them being a home court advantage team, and it would not shock me if they are a dark horse contender to win the championship this year. I'm, I'm telling you, this is there's a reason that so many people are excited about the Utah Jazz this coming year because you're this is going. This is a team that has for all of their five piece, all of their five positions in closing time. It has guys that can play their position and play it really well. Mike Conley plays both ends of the floor. He's going to be able to run the offense. Bogdanovich is, has proven himself to be a competitive and you know and a consistent scorer. Donovan Mitchell can right. take over games as one of the best young stars in the NBA. And you've got Rudy Gobert who's going to be protecting the rim as the Defensive Player of the Year. Right. I mean, it, it's. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a well-constructed team. It is. And I don't think there's a bad contract on their team, you know, just looking at it from an outside perspective. Um, yeah, Mike Conley makes a good amount. They probably overpaid Bogdanovich a little bit. But, I mean, they, you know, they don't have a Tobias Harris contract on their team. Let's just no. say that. they. This is, this is a really good example of what you do when you have the core of a playoff team, what are the moves you make to turn yourselves into a contender? Mm-hmm. Utah is providing the blueprint to that, I it, think. They're you kind of you you said it well. They're they're well constructed. They're they're actually they're just like appeasing on from a roster perspective to look at because like Oh yeah. It, it's just everything just makes sense. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows their role. Everybody everybody looks like on paper like they're going to fit in well together. Oh yeah, nobody's there's no fighting for shots or anything like that. I mean, you have, you know, Donovan Mitchell, your your scorer probably leading the team in scoring, but you know, Bogdanovich can give you 15 points. Mike Conley's going to give you somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 18 points. Rudy Gobert's going to get his. I, I just, I really, really am impressed with with how they've built their team. Basically, um, this is the opposite yeah. version of the Golden State Warriors right now. Right. I, I mean, we we might be seeing the beginnings of a you know a mini contender. I I don't think Utah's going to contend for you know five, six, seven years, but I think this year especially and next year. They're going all in and trying to win a championship, and I think they have as good a shot as anybody. I agree with you. And I, I really want to see Mike Connolly have a run in the playoffs. That's the other thing I really want to see. Oh, I mean, we, we've we seen, you know, going back to those Memphis days with Mark Gasol, how 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 good he can be when he's in that, in that um, I guess you would say, playoff arena. Um, Mike Connolly, I'm excited to see what he can do with a teammate Excuse me, with teammates that complement his skill set, I think Utah is going to be really, really fun to watch. And here's another thing too: they play defense, which we like. Yes, they do. For in in a league that is lacking such, they play defense, which we enjoy. Exactly. Uh, one one team I want to definitely get to before we talk about Kawhi is uh, the Pelicans. Yes. Um, you know. They've been in the news a lot lately. Obviously, the Anthony Davis trade. They got Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, 3,500 first-round picks. Um, and Josh Hart also. Don't want to leave him out of the out of it. Don't leave um, my boy Josh Hart out of it. I wouldn't dream of it. Then they go and get <laughs> – they, they get the first overall pick draft Zion Williamson. Yep. 
Um, and then they just signed J.J. Reddick. I love how we say that so nonchalantly. They get the first pick. They sign Zion. Like, like <laughs> potentially, it, like, you know, the, the, the face of the NBA for the next, right. like, 15 years after LeBron retires. I guess they got Zion. Well, um, <laughs> let's just say I don't, I don't know if they're a playoff team this year. I think it, if Zion's going to miss the playoffs at any point in his career, it might be this year only. Um, just because of how strong the West is. But I'll tell you this right now, my biggest concern for them was shooting. I thought, you know, Absolutely. if you're if you're if you're running Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and uh whoever else, that that's not a lot of three point shooting. But no. what what they did by getting JJ Reddick is they've added shooting to their team and there's really nobody better available except for Clay Thompson when you're talking about stretching the floor. And uh, J.J. Redick, once again, going to a young up-and-coming team where he can have a good role um, would not shock me if they make the playoffs this year. No, it wouldn't be surprising if they somehow found a way to sneak into the playoffs because they found a, they found a way, like you said, they, the one big thing that they were going to be lacking this year is a consistent three-point threat and they're going to have J.J. Redick do that. The other thing that shouldn't be um, mitigated is that they're going to have an older an older veteran and a locker room presence in J.J. Redick as well. That's right. a big thing that they're going to get. They're going to get a seasoned veteran that ne- that's been on good playoff teams that is going to be able to basically be like the dad of the team, basically. Right, and it's a it's a role he succeeded in in the, with the Clippers, even though he was a little bit younger then, you know, as a mentor to – Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, some of their younger guys. And then uh, absolutely in Philadelphia, he was big in the development of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid the last two years. Uh, Here he goes again, finding a young team that he can go and be a mentor on and also make a bunch of threes. And let's just say this about J.J. Redick. Uh, Is J.J. Redick the best player to ever play the game? Probably not, but maybe. But I'll say he's never he's never missed the playoffs once in his career. Never and one I, time. I don't know if uh, if that's going to be true this year, but uh, I like this Pelicans team a lot, and um, you know, I also think they could be one move away from really you know improving their team. Um, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are legitimate trade assets, especially if they show on the Pelicans that they are realizing some of that potential now listen i like brandon ingram i don't know if i want to pay him the max contract after this year maybe you maybe you flip him somewhere maybe you send him to cleveland and get kevin love back who can stretch the floor and play next to zion no question or or detroit also i mean you know i know kevin love and blake griffin probably the most tradable all-stars right now that's why i keep bringing them up but um, that's what the Pelicans have done by collecting all of these young assets and all these draft picks and everything. They've put themselves in a position they never were in with Anthony Davis, which is we can build a true contender around Zion Williamson for the early part of his career. With Anthony Davis, it was a second-round team at best every year. With nope. Zion, they're setting themselves up to be a legitimate contender. No question. And then the other thing the Pelicans did, it's not a, it didn't exactly break – break ground but they signed a foreign player in Nicolo Melli who right who they who they had signed he's from Italy and in his years over in 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 Euroball I mean he was shooting 43 percent from three so that was another guy 
kind of a stretch four player that they got right. to also fill in that role of being a guy that can also produce from the three-point line to kind of fill that need. Right. I, I, I think ever since David Griffin took over there, it's been nothing but positive move after positive move. And we can't wait to see J.J. Redick and, and Zion Williamson in Seattle. Oh, absolutely. We're sending Duke all the way out west, people. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jake, if I put a water gun to your head and said, tell me where Kawhi, <laughs> Le- tell me where Kawhi Leonard is going to sign, Lakers, Clippers, or Raptors, what's your answer? My answer with, with the proverbial water gun to my head would have to be the Clippers. I don't want him to go to the Clippers, but that's where I would have him going. It just that's the perfect Kawhi Leonard move. He right. goes to a team that's on the back burner of the LA City. He he's gonna be playing he's gonna be playing with Doc for Doc Rivers. He's gonna be playing with Patrick Beverly. The team just kind of makes sense. Uh that's probably where I would have him going. Where I want him to go though would be with LeBron and the Lakers, selfishly. Right. And you know, I, I'm torn here because Kawhi Leonard has been one of my favorite players for years now. LeBron's been one of my favorite players. Uh, Anthony Davis, let's not forget the last time he was invested in playing basketball, he was one of the three or four best players in the league. So no question. Um, if those three team up, yeah, you don't have anybody else but Kyle Kuzma on the team, but you have three of the six best players in the NBA, something we have not seen really ever. Um they would become the prohibitive favorite. They would become the team to beat. Uh, we would see guys like the Morris brothers. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, other like potentially vet, Andre Iguodala. It, right. I think Iguodala is a, is a great candidate to be bought out by Memphis or traded over to the Lakers. Um, you know, guys like that, Rajon Rondo, who maybe doesn't fit the team that well, but can give them minutes. Uh, there's going to be team. There's going to be players out there that will sign with that team for less money for a chance to win a championship if they get Kawhi Leonard. This is so the difference here between like Kevin Durant signing with with the Warriors is Kawhi Leonard going to the Lakers and playing with LeBron and AD does not guarantee a championship and does not remove parity from the NBA the same way that Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors did. Does right. it make them the favorite? Sure. Every year there's a, there's a you know, quote-unquote, you know, favorite for the season. These guys haven't played together yet. They don't really have a team around them. Does it, like you said, they have three of the best six players in the NBA – but that doesn't make them a sure lock to win the NBA Finals the way that Kevin Durant going to a team with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus, even before DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Draymond Green, the way that you know winning 73 games and going right. to that team did. Right, yeah. So it's, it's this closer, is not the same thing. It's closer to the, the Heat big three teaming up where exactly we thought they were title favorites, but they were beatable. I mean, they, they played together for four years. They won two championships. Uh, it's closer to this than the Warriors winning two out of three and basically three out of three if, if they don't get injured like exactly a million times in a row. Um, yeah, I listen, I I would like Kawhi on the Lakers. Uh, selfishly, I want LeBron to be in the finals again. I, I think he, 
he can do that without Kawhi Leonard, but getting him would almost ensure it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't count out the Raptors, though. Um, no, I don't count him out because, I mean, he won a championship with him. Right. As we said before, him just making it to the finals was the best thing that could have happened to Toronto because that, that, that's the best pitch you can have to, have to have Kawhi stay. And then they won the championship, which is even more so. I mean, never, nobody's ever won a championship with a team in, in the NBA and been the best player and then decided to leave. Right. It, it's unheard of, but it also does make sense when we think about Kawhi Leonard. We don't know much about him, but we know he is a kind of a weird guy. And right. he would be the one to do that. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I, you know, I'm going over this list of free agents. Uh, a lot of the good role players that I think the Lakers would have wanted have already signed. Like Seth Curry, the younger, mm-hmm. the younger Curry brother. In case I, in case I'm not pronouncing very well, signed with the Mavericks. Uh, Brooke Lopez stayed in Milwaukee. Yep. Um, JJ Redick went to the Pelicans, right? Uh, J JJ with LeBron would have been unfair. The league had to stop that one. Um, what I would have given, what I would have given. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they can really build a team of competent role players if they, even if they miss out on Kawhi, but I will say this, LeBron James and Anthony Davis fully healthy in a season that team is an absolute contender for a championship. Oh, there's no question. Imagine a scenario where you're in the third quarter and Kawhi Leonard is walking off the court and he's slapping hands with the guy that's coming in to replace him, and it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis is already out on the court. Do you right. know how crazy that sounds? That's not fair. How do you game plan for that? It doesn't matter who the point – this is one of those things where, like, where, where we were talking about where like fit and scheme and roster – um, roster compiling that you could throw that shit out. Yeah, if, the, if, at that point, if, it's just talent. If if eight if, if within eight minutes to go of a game, it, regardless of the score, if Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis are on the floor, good luck. Of, and just good luck. I I will say, you know, we're seeing rumblings all day, and you know what? By the time this podcast comes out, maybe we'll know where Kawhi Leonard signed. Yep. Uh, we're we're seeing. Kawhi to the Lakers picking up steam and we've seen situations like this Kemba with Boston Kyrie with Brooklyn uh, KD with Brooklyn as well um, Jimmy Butler in Miami when there's smoke there's usually fire not always but right. there's usually fire and uh, let's not forget Kawhi did have the Lakers as one of his preferred destinations when he requested a trade two years or I guess one year ago um, yeah I I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I think if he stays on the Raptors, you know, they would probably be the favorite, but certainly not a, you know, a 10 to one fate or a three to one or a two to one or whatever favorite. Um, if he signs with the Clippers, they would probably be a, one of the favorites in the West. And if he signs, mm-hmm. with, if he signs with the Lakers, LeBron's getting two or three more championships. Which I listen for, I know for, all we've done for the past couple of years is is beg for the NBA to get back to some normalcy and and you know to have multiple contenders in both leagues and what the finals is going to look like. Right. I, I we we now actually finally have that with Kevin Durant, like we said, going to going to the Nets, and we've had this massive shakeup in the NBA. And I know you and I are very excited for it because we're finally going to get it 
to see a season similar, I think we said 2010 right. or even 2004, 2005 after the Pistons won their championship. Oh, yeah. We actually don't know what we're going to get and how it's all going to shake out. And that's a really good feeling, and it's good for the NBA. Oh, for sure. This is this is how we feel um, in the NFL. Or I guess, no, it's not fair to say that because the Patriots win every year. But um, <laughs> how we feel in baseball and hockey especially where – uh, any team that makes the playoffs has a chance to go on a run and win a championship. And I think that if Kawhi goes anywhere but the Lakers, that's true next year. I agree with you. I, I mean, that, that's what it is. But it the the thing that's exciting is that it's, it's finally nice to see the NBA basketball that we love finally get back to a place where we don't, like I said, we don't know what even the Western Conference Finals next year is probably right. going to look like, and that's exciting. That that makes that makes the NBA. Well, yeah, fun. and it gives you know f- fans in Utah, Indiana, Oklahoma City, um, you know, smaller markets have a chance to feel like their team is a contender. And then, but but it's not just about the small markets because I mean, you look at Brooklyn has you know a legitimate team now. Uh, the Lakers and potentially the Clippers will have a chance. I mean, there's, there's the, the word that comes to mind is parody. That's what it is. And that's what the yep. NBA hasn't had for a long time. And that's what potentially we will have next year. Now, knowing our luck, Kawhi will just sign with the Lakers and we'll know who the champion is. But um, certainly we are, I mean, I think it's fair to say we're literally on the edge of our seats waiting for Kawhi Leonard to make his decision. Oh, we absolutely are. So I want to do this real quick speed round. I'm going to give you a couple more free agents I haven't signed yet, and I want you to give me gut reaction where you think okay. they're going to go. All right, first off, DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, I would say the Lakers if Kawhi goes somewhere else, the Knicks if Kawhi goes to the Lakers. Okay. Danny Green. Danny Green's going wherever Kawhi goes. So Toronto, the Clippers, or the Lakers. It's a package, so it's a package deal. deal. He wants to play with uh, Kawhi still. I love it. All right, both Morris twins. I that's an interesting one because um, teams are kind of running out of cap space at this point, and the Morris brothers want mm-hmm. to get paid. Um, I would say this is another case. One or both of them could end up in LA if Kawhi doesn't go there. Um, yeah, I don't. I, they're they're confusing to me. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent certain what their deal is and who wants them. I I think we can both agree though. It's better if a, they a stay package together. deal is better. All right. No, I agree. All right. So this is probably the the biggest one and the most important. One. Way more than Kawhi Leonard. Way yeah. more than Boogie Cousins. This is probably the biggest one. Javale uh, McGee. Javale. Um. Well, listen. Javale's a champion. Um, yep, that's true. You can't take that away from physically him, can play basketball. Um, <laughs> I guess and that's he's true. Like yes. Seven feet tall. Um, so, <laughs> which is becoming less. Listen, and less I'm going to throw a wild card out here. Um, how about Dallas? Little insurance Dallas. in case Porzingis needs you know to work on that load management. Go and get Javale for fifteen twenty minutes a game getting lobs from Luca. Oh, I like it. 
I like it. All right, and then finally, my last one. Your favorite, your who should have been your finals MVP, Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook's coming home to D.C., my friend. Quinn Cook's coming home? Get actually, it might not be true because uh, the Wizards signed Ish Smith to a two-year, uh, $12 million deal. So um, I don't know if Quinn Cook makes sense. But I have seen him rumored here, so who knows. Um, I'm going to go, Quinn Cook, come home. Give me a chance to root for you. Love you, Quinn Cook. Or or Quinn could just go down to the New Orleans Pelicans yeah, because just, that seems to be where yeah, just, Duke is setting up yeah, their, uh, their NBA All of team. a sudden, Coach K is going to be like, I'm going to be the coach for like half of Duke's games and half of New Orleans Pelicans games. I don't think it would be outrageous if we saw Coach K coaching the uh, the Pelicans halfway through the year. Once like once yeah. March Madness ends and hopefully Duke wins a national championship, we'll just have uh, Coach K will come up and then Coach Yeah, he'll, the he'll be riding the high of a championship and he'll be like, you know what? Let me get some of my guys in the NBA, see how we can do. Let's just see what we can crank out here. So that's going to bring us to the end of our uh, – I guess you could call it part one NBA free agency episode of stats on deck. Um, we will probably record another podcast dedicated to Kawhi Leonard whenever he signs. Um, we're Absolutely. also going to do some baseball stuff. Uh, if you listen to the end, you're a true fan. And that means, you know, what kind of horrible injustice the all-star teams have done to Xander Bogarts. Uh, we're going to get, we're going to get into oh that in a big way later on this week. Um, D- disaster, disgusting, whatever Stephen A. Smith word you want to use is applicable here. Um, other than that, check us check us out I... on statsondeck.com. Uh, we've got some written content for you. The podcasts are up there. Um, you can find me at Nick Laporte on Twitter with a zero instead of an O. You can find Jake at From State Farm with fours instead of A's. And uh, Jake... Yo, Boom, baby.